You're listening to Incorporating Superpowers with the Voice of Reason, risk mitigation expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Justin Reckla. Get ready to rip apart the veil as we dismantle old school business and prepare for what comes next. Business will never be the same. Welcome back to another episode of Incorporating Superpowers. I am... Uh, the conversation we're going to have today, folks, is going to be one that will hopefully help you shift perspectives and how you view the world. Um, my guest today is Dr. Ivan. I'm going to butcher it. I know Dr. Ivan Papaletti, who is, uh, did I get it right? Yeah, perfect. Awesome. So, um, you made better than I do. I'm going to use your pronunciation. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> um, Dr. Papaletti is a, um, well, he's a former Coast Guard pilot. He's also the former director of, I got it right here, of the, of the U.S. Forest Service Human Performance and Innovative and Organizational Learning uh, Center. This is um, the concept of human performance is huge. Uh, and folks, uh, Ivan's got a, a plethora of experience, not only the Forest Service, but the Coast Guard, the Air Force, uh, a geophysicist, right? And the story, some of the stories that he was telling right before uh, before the show here, uh, and how it translates, and how the universe is working through him to bring about change, is uh, is just awesome. I actually love the synchronicities of how it all works out. And so today we're going to be talking about cognitive diversity and how that applies to pretty much every situation going on, every problem that we are facing in the world right now. Um, and I think this is a killer topic. Uh, uh, Ivan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So you, you, you've done a thing or two, and you've had these experiences. We were talking about how your experience as an accident investigator, right? Looking as to all these accidents that were chalked up to human error, right? Whether they be aircraft or within the Forest Service, looking at them and going, how do okay, we, like you said, it was, a, it was the very first line of the manual, right? That very everybody got time. it's very first time human error. Why take it any further? But you had the insight, you had the gall to stand up and go, there's gotta be a different way. What is that different way? Can you explain what cognitive diversity is? I, I think I've got to start with why we had to have a change. And the reason that we had to have a change was because of a sense of injustice in the system. So if the system is delivering delivering things that are outside the, the expectations of the populace. That's one thing. That's okay. But if the system is delivering something that is fundamentally unfair or felt to be unfair, such as labeling every single aviation accident as pilot error, or every ground accident as the failure to follow rules, regulations, policies, and procedures, then what we need to do is we need to start to understand something at a very fundamentally different level. And that level is to put ourselves in the place of the people who were there. Not to say, not to ascribe to them some sort of individual accountability that's associated specifically with their disposition, but rather to look at the situation and understand the dynamics of the situation. So this, this whole thing that happened, this sense of injustice, brewed up inside the Forest Service to the point where there was very little trust in leadership and very little communication between leadership and the field. And I'm in a situation with human performance, innovation, and organizational learning that my job is kind of to bridge those two parts of the organization, get this side to talk to this side. Well, when they're not even speaking really the same language and the fundamental means by which 
leadership looks at the field is through investigations and through accidents, we've got a problem. We show up at this accident. <laughs> well, I, I want to chime in here because that's um, my wife led a, a, a movement 25 years ago at ASU, and she helped found the Intercultural Relationship Center. It was a, it was a center as an organization that stood up for 14 years, and I love the fact that you bring that to the table now, but you do it through the lens of accidents, right? But the unjust, it is so important for us to take a look at this. Folks, if you're not paying attention, this is not just applying to accidents. This is applying to everything that's going on in the world right now. Absolutely, especially now. So one of the things that we had to realize is that the, the system that we were deliver, that we were living in was not a simple system, and it wasn't a complicated system. Both of those things have linear explanations, have a limited number of answers for the questions that are asked. What we realized is we're in a complex system. And in complex systems, because we're adaptive human beings, because human beings adapt in, in, in fathomable and un, immeasurable ways, we have to honor that. We have to respect that space. So two things emerge from that. One is respect for learners. We have to respect learners, and we have to recognize that everybody in the system is a learner. And second, we have to realize that this idea of linear cause doesn't exist, right? So let me give you an example. Justin, let's put you and I in exactly the same situation, right? Will we fail at the same point? Probably not, because you bring skills and abilities in certain areas, and I bring skills and abilities in certain areas. We're going to fail at different points because of the normal human variability. Now let's go a step further. If I were able to create the same exact situation over and over again and put you in it, would you fail at the same point? Most likely. Most likely not. Most likely you would have learned something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because if we're over and over, if we're repeating it, over and over again you it's like it's like playing a video game exactly. you get to a certain you get to a certain point and you're like oh that didn't work oh that didn't work oh that didn't work and finally you get through it and you learn how to overcome it exactly and what you just described is what people do in a complex work environment when they're met with an anomaly something they've never seen before they try and make sense of the anomalous information learn in the moment and innovate solutions now let's take that to the superpower level To superpower that, what we need to do is we need to bring more eyes to bear on that situation, more minds together. So we do this in in aircraft, we call it crew resource management, where we start to bring the folks on board the airplane together to solve problems. Now, are we always going to be right? No, we're going to make mistakes. Because what we're dealing with is a system that is delivering the unexpected, and we're providing that system with an innovation or an experiment. Now, what we have to do is we have to watch very carefully to see what our interventions are giving us. Now, we call this outside of an aircraft cognitive diversity, where we bring a lot of minds to bear, as many as possible. Now, people are going to say, well, you know, you're working in fire and you're working in aviation. Do you have time for all that? And the thing is, you can develop the capacity to do this rather quickly. You can also understand where to make time inside your systems. Most of the time, we're so focused and fixated on time and efficiency, that that actually robs us of the ability to be deliberative in the space. And, and, and effective, right? And effective, yeah. <laughs> So before we go, let's take a quick pause. I want to give our listeners an opportunity to find out more where they can, where they can find out more about you. And then I want to dive down this rabbit hole even further on the backside. Can you, can you share with our listeners where they can find you? 
Sure. Yeah, I'm a professor right now at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. So I can be, be found at Puppelity at uab.edu, and Puppelity is spelled P-U-P-U-L-I-D-Y. Um, and send me an email. I'll be happy to talk with you. Fantastic. Folks, go check it out. Stay tuned. We'll be right back, and we're going to go down this rabbit hole even further. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts, and we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth, because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. All right, welcome back to Incorporating Superpowers. My guest today is Dr. Ivan Popoliti. We are talking about cognitive diversity um, and everything that comes from it and the fact that linear thinking is going to get you linear results and that the way we function and work as she, and the way our minds work, the way we experience things as human beings is completely different. We have to take the culmination of your experience and your experience and your experience, and we have to bring them together in order to solve a problem. And like we were talking about right before the break, is that oftentimes we're too caught up in the doing of the system rather than looking at it from a higher perspective, because oftentimes we're too caught up in the moment, right? Playing that video game that's keeping stuck. We can't get it beat. We have to stop and take a look back and go, okay, what were you thinking? What were you seeing? What were you feeling? What did you experience? What did it look like? And take all of the different perspectives to take a look at the systems. And before the break, we were talking about how that applies to accidents. I want to, how, how do we translate this over? How does this move into everyday life? How does this, how does this show up for what we're seeing in the world right now? in the divide of politics, in, in the divide of race, how, how do we, in the divide of those that feel unjust, how do we encompass all of it? Because working in absolutes, holding true to what our own linear thoughts and perspective is, is only going to get us the same results. Exactly. So talk, talk, talk to me a little bit more about this, this concept that you teach, the concept that you've practiced and, 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 and are, are well-versed in? You know, I'm not the only person who said this. I'm going to go, go back to something that you said in the beginning of this, and that is the multiple perspectives. So everyone has a perspective of the way things happen and are happening. Often what we do as human beings is we jump to a place of judgment. We judge the actions of others. When that happens, we lose our ability to learn from that event. So there's a couple things that drive this. Um, we're kind of conditioned through years of exposure to Newtonian laws and laws of nature. And we're kind of conditioned to thinking about Darwinian classification systems. These things are dangerous. They're dangerous because what happens is we put people who are fundamentally different than each other into categories, and then we expect them to perform 
in those categories by stereotype. Yeah. Yep. And so our judgments have a tendency to follow that, that tendency. We might see that maybe in the news of lately, uh, of late with police actions on minorities. Are they looking at the minorities as a classification and thereby judging them prior to having the interaction with them? I heard one police chief say if, if George Floyd hadn't been black, if he'd been white, white, he'd be alive right now. Well, that's a really powerful statement. But what we have to start to understand is the multiple perspectives that got us to that place. Now, I'm not trying to exonerate the police in this. This individual, Derek, was completely out of, out of bounds in doing what he did. Absolutely. That's not where we want to go with this. But what we do want to understand are the underlying conditions that allowed that to happen. So we could say that, you know, to err is human. We always say it. And that's okay. Let's say to err is human. But let's not focus as much on the error as on the conditions that supported the error, that allowed the error to happen. Because we, can man we can't manage the error anymore. That's happened. It's done. But what we can man manage are those conditions. And so we should focus on those conditions. We should, we should start to actually learn about those conditions. We should start to understand multiple perspectives. In accidents, it's a lot cleaner. I mean, it's a lot cleaner in an accident. Right. Of course, because that's that's you can, there, that's more of a controlled situation, a more controlled environment. It's a, it's a smaller populace because not everybody's a pilot. Yeah, and Justin, I'm going to go ahead and say that maybe it's less controlled. So okay, so, I, I, I I can see that perspective. Yeah, if we look at the law enforcement situation, there's a lot of controls. I mean, they have a lot of rules and regulations that they have to live by, and clearly, they weren't adhered to, and nobody yeah. intervened. Yes. Yeah. Right. So what we should be asking is, why did it make sense for those individuals to do what they did in that situation? What was driving that? And then we can start working on those conditions to try and understand the multiple perspectives that came to bear. Some of these conditions could be training. Some of these conditions could be individual bias. I mean, there's a possibility that there are, there are bad people out there, right? And, there's, and, and it's not just a simple answer. Right. It, there's there's so much that I mean, think about your own life and your own perspective and your own biases and your own experiences and all, everything that you've experienced as your own self didn't come from a single point. Right. right. And, it, and it can be really easy to point to a situation of like, oh, he's just racist. Right. It, it's so much more complex than that. The whole conversation is so much more complex than that. But it's easy for us to go to. Yes. that one point and judge, right? Because it fits a lane and that prevents us from looking at the bigger picture. So the, the process that, that I mentioned earlier, the learning review is actually part of a Sentinel events review process that's being used by law enforcement, by national law enforcement. And it was started at, it started out at the department of justice. They, they came to me and actually asked me for what are we doing in the forest service? That's so different with it in mind that we would start to apply the learning review concepts, which involve two major things. One is this, this narrative from multiple perspectives, which we call a complex narrative. So we don't say that the perspective of this individual is wrong based on the evidence. We say instead that this person has the right to that perspective, and we're not going to call that perspective right or wrong. We're just going to give that perspective voice in the narrative because it's important. In an accident, it could be the difference between 
to people seeing a situation and not communicating about it and us not having the ability to make that communication happen. We want to be aware of it in accident. Well, we want to be aware of it in social dynamics as well, right? We want to see things from the perspectives of those involved so we can begin to understand because it's through that understanding that learning occurs. If we move to judgment, learning ceases. The other thing that ceases is information. Now, my background, safety, I can tell you without equivocation that the currency of safety is information. So the last thing we want to do is cut off information. Now, let's look at the other thing that happens. So we've got one thing is the multiple perspectives. Now we have multiple influences on the individual, just like you said, and you did a really nice job of showing them, not in a linear form, but actually circling the individual. And that's kind of the way we envision it, is that these pressures exist all around the individual. And sometimes these pressures and influences are moving us in a direction that we would think is socially positive. And sometimes we would think that they're moving in a direction that's socially negative. So now we have two different types of influences. Well, we need to understand those influences and how the influences work with one another. And for that, we create what we call a network of influences map. And some of these things can be really, really big. I mean, multiple levels, multiple dimensionality. But the bottom line is we start to understand what are the things that exist inside the system that influence people to to do and act the way they do. Rather than attacking the behavior, we attack the situation and the conditions. And what this allows us to do is take a step backwards, and I'm gonna do that physically, take a step backwards, and start to see a bigger picture of what's going on. Instead of going down and in and finding the bad apple, we go up and out and try and find out the conditions that surround the individual. I, you know, I, I, that right there is, to put it into superpower terms, put it into the vernacular that that I use is, um, we have to step back into the observer. Yeah, we we have to go into the observer role of ourselves, right? Our own experiences, our own beings. Where were we putting things into little boxes? And step back and go, oh, and not only in, in that process is we have to be able to observe ourselves, but we have to observe everybody else that it's part of the situation and the situation itself and whatever it was that created it. But we can't ever see the whole picture. If we're just doing this, yes, we have to rise above and get a higher perspective in order to see everything. It's like playing chess. You, you can't just win the game of chess by just being the queen, Beautiful. right? You have to, you have to have, you got to be able to see all the boards, all the squares folks, this right here. If there's nothing else that you do in the world today, tomorrow or moving forward is to take every situation, everything that triggers an emotional response inside of you, step back from it and observe why. Yes. That right there is what will bring about change across the board. And now to to build on that, what you just said, to, to step back, observe why, that is exactly how we define learning. So what we realized in the organization, one of the things we were chartered to do was create a safety culture. And what we realized in the organization is, I can't agree, between you and I, I bet we couldn't agree on a definition of safety. Within the organization, we couldn't come up with a definition of safety, but we could come up with a definition of learning. 
And so we, what we recognized is if we're going to move into a safer environment, notice I didn't, didn't say into a safe environment because look, look, look at what we did. We put out fires, okay? I mean, there's nothing safe about putting out fires. Let's just be up and right into it. Exactly. <laughs> right? You know, it's like the uh, or, Occupational Safety and Health Administration says uh, an employer has the, uh, has the responsibility to maintain a, a safe workplace and to ensure that that hazards are mitigated and people are avoid that people are not exposed to hazards. And I, I sit there and I go, look, that's the general duty clause, paraphrased. And my answer to that is we pay people hazard pay. How are we going to create a workplace free from known hazard? It's impossible. So instead, what we said, let's, let's shelve the, the safety idea for a minute and let's look at what we really want. What we really want is a safer environment. And the way we get there is by learning. And the way we learn is to do exactly what you said. Step back, observe, be open, be open now and start to look at the big picture, look at the interrelationships. And that's why this network of influences mapping became so important is because it allowed us not to put things into categories, but instead, instead to see what kind of categories emerge as we step back and learn from this depiction of the, of the conditions that exist. And then we have to talk about what kind of interactions we want to have with that system understanding that it's a complex system, do we want to dive right in and start to correct and fix things? Or do we want to, again, go to a level of understanding? And so for this, we started to recognize that the entire system is made up of learners, and we have to honor and respect those learners inside the system. And to do that, we have to enjoin them in the process. So instead of being the investigators who, whose hands and mind is blessed by God with the ability to see all that there is to see in this accident, instead of that, why don't we present the narrative the complex narrative to the field with some questions and allow them to make sense of it. Allow them to be the learners instead of telling them what we want them to know. And so that's where we moved to. And we did this through focus groups. We did it through simply giving them the narrative and giving them questions. In some, some occasions we made films. We actually made a film on the terrible accident that affected the culture of the organization and, and killed four very young firefighters. We gave them a, a video of that that gave the perceptions of those involved. We literally in, interviewed the people that were involved. Now, what's an interview? That's another really good question. Right? We, we recognized that we, through our questions, could, could really create a second victim with somebody who's been close to this accident. So instead of doing that, we had to step back there as well and move into that learning mode and co-learn with the people who were there, not judge their stories, understand what their, what their perceptions were, take those perceptions down and honor those perceptions, honor them. And in that space, they get to tell their story. Why is that important? Think about anybody who's been traumatized. When they've been traumatized, if you don't honor their story, if you say, well, the evidence doesn't support what this person said, that's crap. Because to them at the time, with the limited viewpoint that they had and the local rationality that they had, that is their truth. Well, okay. because when you're, when you're in the box, when you're in the lane, right, when you're in that reality, that's all you can see. Exactly. And again, we have, we have to be able to elevate above that. And like you said, not discredit it. Take ownership of it. Honor it. Gotcha. What can we learn from it? Exactly. Because in that experience, we can go, hmm, how does that fit into the other system? Where does that fit in? And what, based off of this 
perception based off of this experience, based off of this, all of this, because it's not simple, folks. <laughs> it's right. not simple. Is it, it takes patience. It, it takes mastery of the mind. It takes mastery of the emotion. And it takes a willingness to come together to shed light on a picture. Because arguing from within your lane, arguing from within that box, arguing into that perspective just to get somebody else to see your perspective only creates more of the same. Exactly. We don't learn from that. And that's where we are socially now as we look at George Floyd and that situation, as we look at the turmoil that's happening inside the country, as we look at our leadership, we can see some of our leaders moving to a position where they're willing to learn. And, and those are the leaders that people are rallying behind. And then we see other leaders who are saying, no, I'm going to control this situation. I think one of the most interesting things about a complex system is that we don't really have control over it. Complex systems themselves, by their very nature, deliver the unexpected. How do you control the unexpected? Instead, we should... Well, you got yeah. to be, be able to navigate it yes. as well, right? Because at, <clears throat> because at any point in time, we can be off and now we're down this trajectory and it's just another lane and it's not from that higher perspective. You know, it's really interesting, the imagery that you use. I, I have this sense that you can visualize these things really well. And what you just did with your hands, you showed weaving with your hands. And it's really interesting because the origin, one of the suspected origins of the word complexity is complexar from the Latin, which means to weave together. And so that's what you just did with your visualization. And, and I think that if your listeners are thinking about this, we could put it into some simple terms. We could put it into the terms of my spouse just had an accident and I've got a couple of different ways to react to it, right? First of all, is she okay? That's my first question, right? Are you okay? Oh, I destroyed the car. It's terrible. It's awful. No, it's just a car. It's just a car. Are you okay? Right? So our first place that we should come from is to do no further harm to the system or the people within the system. That, that should be our first principle. And so as we start to look at these relationships that we begin to, to develop, and that's exactly what this is, whether we're talking about George Floyd and what happened there, whether we're talking about my spouse having an accident, or we're talking about somebody else making a mistake or, or having an error, yeah, there's going to be some consequence to that. There'll be some sense of loss. But where do we want to end up? Do we want to end up better for it? Because there's only one way to do that. And that's to understand and to see it from the perspective of the individual who is there. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Are you okay? Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing is, is, is that in order for us to get there as a society, it, it takes practice. Yes. Right. This we can't right. just, we can't just do it in the difficult times. We can't just do it when we're examining one specific thing. We have to do it in every moment of our life. Anytime we feel ourselves going to judgment, fear, anxiety, we, we have to examine that at every point along the way. Because if we don't, then one, we don't get practiced at it. We don't get, we don't get versed at it. Right. And we have a tendency of then only turning to and listening to those that share the same perspective as us, which just keeps us in that same lane. And good, bad, or otherwise, it just is. And if yeah, but we want more, yeah, and it and it creates it creates more of the same. Yes, and, uh, and you know, 
We said that in the Go beginning ahead. about the accident rate in the Forest Service wasn't changing because of exactly that. I'm the investigator. I have all the knowledge there is to know about investigation. Shoot, they sent me to three schools. I went to the Navy school when I was in the Coast Guard, Navy Accident Investigation School, did the Air Force Accident Investigation School all the way up to the level of board president. And then I went to USC and did their accident investigation program. And all of them told me the same thing. We'll find the root cause, dig deep and find that root cause, which is almost always the person and almost always fruitless. Right? Yep. And so we had to do something different. And, and like you said, it applies to everything. It goes well beyond accident investigation. Justin, you hit the nail on the head. When we start to think about how this affects relationships, when we start to think about if our relationship starts to come apart, our ability to share information comes apart. We start to develop those camps and we become more and more entrenched in an extreme. That only results in finger pointing. Always. It's the only thing it can result in. Um, Ivan, this, as you can tell, this is a conversation that I just, I eat up. I love, I can talk for weeks on end. I mean, this is at the core of the transformational work that we we provide here at Superpower Experts is, is literally this. And I love the fact that you're out there doing this work in the world, standing in your gap and, and helping others do the same. Uh, tell me, tell us again, so people uh, where where people can go find more information about you. So again, I work for the University of Alabama Birmingham online program. Never been to Birmingham ever. <laughs> been at the university as a professor for a few years now, and I've never been there. But you can get me at Pupilidy, P-U-P-U-L-I-D-Y at uab.edu. Fantastic, and folks, you got questions. You want to know how to implement this into your own organization. You want to know what that looks like. Reach out. Start a conversation and, and watch what can be created when you have somebody who is diverse in this concept as Ivan and what it can bring to your organization. Ivan, thank you so much for, for being on the show today. My pleasure. Absolutely. Folks, go out there, do the work. You have to dig in. It starts with you. You have to be able to step back into that observer role because without that, no true change actually takes place. Till next time, go out there and incorporate the superpowers. Change the world. Take care. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.